There's another place in scriptures, I can't cite it exactly, but you're probably all familiar, where Jesus is chastising the Pharisees and scribes because of their hypocrisy. And he says to them that you won't lift a finger to help people with the burdens that lay on them, the burdens that come from the law. But on a Sabbath, if uh, your ass or ox fell in a hole, you would, you would do everything you could to get them out. So you'd do the work to save your beast of burden that helps make you money, but you would criticize anybody else who helps another person out of love. Horrible hypocrisy. So it's, it's strange to me, at least I could see. Uh, a couple days ago, Jesus spat on the ground and made some uh, mud and put it on the eyes of the blind man. Not that that was a whole bunch of work, but at least technically he did some action that was work. But this, he just says words. Take up your mat and walk. And that's work? That's breaking the Sabbath? It seems to me the height of hypocrisy, except that I think that it proclaims exactly what Jesus was about all the time. His law was the law of love. And there, was, there are no limits to the power of love or to the power of showing love. Now, what's striking to me in this gospel is for 38 years, for 38 years, this man had no one, not a single person who would show him compassion and love and help him in the waters. That is sad. And I don't know if it says something about the man or the community around him. But here comes Jesus, who would not be halted by anything, by any limitation, not even 38 years of compassionless society. And he said the words, pick up your mat and walk. And then he goes out and finds the man again. And by the way, the man didn't ask to be healed. Jesus asked him, what do you want? And then he said to be well. And so after Jesus leaves and after this conversation about the man Jesus and, and uh, what he had done, although the man didn't know it was Jesus, Jesus later looks for him, seeks him out, finds him, and then spiritually encourages him further to say, turn away from sin, turn away from sin. Now, it's interesting, too, that when these things happen anywhere uh, near water, we not become suspicious, but we become um, so well aware of the power of water in our lives. Of course, that water of baptism is, is a focal point for us. And um, the number of people that bring up bottles of water to me on weekends, would you bless this water, would you bless this water, and they all go home with blessed water. I don't know what they do with it, if they drink it, wash with it, or whatever. But uh, the idea that those waters are grace-filled, that they're blessed. And if we connect that with the story of Ezekiel, the first one, oh my God, we see the waters that originate at the temple, flowing out of the temple. And they are so abundant and grace-filled. First they are trickling, and then they're ankle-deep, and then they're knee-deep, and then they're waist-deep, and then they're so deep you, you couldn't go across the river that has become the flowing waters unless you swim because they're so deep. Do we not hear in all of this 
the abundant graces of God that we do believe in. And the waters are the symbol of it. They, they give life, they sustain our physical lives. But do we connect each day uh, in an aware way, in a very intentional way, in a very direct way, and saying, God, I believe that you pour out your graces every day and you will do it again today. There's no exception. You never stop. You never stop. So that we become more aware, that we make ourselves aware, that we begin to see more clearly each day the abundant grace of God in our lives, and if we're lucky, have the chance to help somebody who's lame, ill, whatever, even metaphorically, help them also to discover those waters of grace and life. Please stand.